I love having just an overload of music. Now with that, I find that I dive less into entire records, but I have heard a thousand different bands. Now I talk with somebody and they're like, what is this? And I'm like, found this streaming, you know, it came up in a playlist while I was running or whatever. So I find a lot more new music and there's probably a ton more new music out there. Um, but I do find that I dive a little bit less into uh, like the full record or maybe not capturing, you know, the entire essence of the record. It has to be like really good for me to be like, oh, okay, yeah, that whole record is really good. You know, back then you got a record and you hoped it was good. And, and most of the time I feel like it was, or maybe that was just the impression because that was all we had, right? We just had that one album and then you move on to the next, you know, whenever the next big record came out or whatever. Thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. For this episode, we bring you the one and only Joel Colby. Joel is not only the frontman for the metal group Inimical Drive, but he is also a major support person on the local scene in St. Louis. He is what you may call a veteran of the music scene. During this episode, you will hear us discuss a lot of musical topics, including what Inimical Drive have been up to, changes in the local landscape since Inimical Drive first hit the scene, changes in music proliferation due to technology, and Joel also gives us a glimpse into the 10th annual Ink Spot Block Party happening in St. Charles, Missouri on August 5th, 2019. He did mention that there will be giant snakes there, so be sure to follow Inimical Drive on the socials, download their music where all great music can be downloaded. If you are anywhere near St. Charles, Missouri, we want to see you at the Ink Spot Block Party. Address is in the show notes of this episode, and without further introduction, here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to yet another edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me as always is my good friend Colt. Yes, sir. And with us today, across the table kind of, on a screen, with his coffee, he's screamy, he's dreamy, he's our favorite screamer on stage, Mr. Joel Colby of Inimical Drive. How you doing, Joel? That was so lame. (laughs) (laughs) He's screamy and dreamy. I thought it was awesome, especially off the cuff. Yeah. He's like, what's up, Joel? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm, I'm early. It's not even noon yet, right? Uh, yeah, yeah so look, we're apparently thir- not. We're 13 minutes early. You're way ahead. That, that's good. You should ride that wave as long as you can. Right. Especially <laughs> since you had the show last night. How'd it go? Uh, it was good. Yeah? It was a good time. Yeah? Yeah. Small little gathering of friends. It was, uh, it was a good time. Yeah. I, yep. got to, I got to see some good video. Got to see some good video. Couldn't make it. Um, was out of town till yeah. I, I have excuses. I have excuses that I could that I could share. I barely but, made it too. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, really, I probably shouldn't have made it. I probably should have canceled. But <laughs> I'm sure. No, it's good. Sure, it was awesome. It's a good group that comes out. Yeah, it's that's for us. That's what it is. You know, the group that comes out. It, it's all my favorite people. Yeah, and uh, just yeah, people that have been around for as long as we've been doing it all the way to people that it's their first time seeing us. And, you know, you never know which group you're going to get, but it was a good group last night. Um, yeah, it was a good time. You good guys, show. you guys have been at it for how long, Joel? How long has the band been together? Um, I think we officially said like, we're a band in 2002. Wow. So yeah. So if my but, math is correct, that's like 20 something years. It's, uh, yeah, it's like 30 years, right? If yeah. I, if I'm mathing correctly. Right, yeah. <laughs> it feels like 50 years. Um, and how, how many but, me- yeah. how many members would you say you've gone through? Um, 
officially so officially in 2002 we would have said that that's kind of when the band actually started and that would have been with nick but technically before nick the collection of the of myself and dan um our bass player uh brandon our original drummer uh the three of us uh had a friend coming over and playing guitar but we didn't actually get any real songs formulated um until nick so it was more jamming around and kind of feeling it out. So technically we were trying to figure it out. And then Nick came along and somewhere along that line, probably in 01, we were like, yeah, we could actually put some songs together. So yeah, I think in 2002, we, we took on a name and we're like, we're doing this. So nice. Been doing it ever since. 17 years but, later, like actual, like real math, I guess right. we, should, we should use yeah, that. But, uh, uh-huh. 17 years that's that is an incredible run though uh because a lot of bands don't make it past you know a couple of years before they fizzle out things don't work they hate each other they want to kill each other whatever the case may be and uh it's got to be tough we uh we always say we should have kept a kill board just for the bands that came up uh around the same time and have fallen off or come back in another form of band members and we saw some of that last night in multiple bands uh, well three of three of the other bands are compiled of other band members yeah <laughs> and so that are in a different way shape or form you know and mm-hmm. uh here we are still the only guys under the same name that we started with and uh yeah so uh, i keep a kill board for my cat and we kind of <laughs> talked about that and la- laughed and it's like well there goes another one what what's that gonna come back as or who and how you know so, I mean, uh, are there any other bands that have stuck around this long? Like you from when what? you guys started the, around? The other drive band, Final Drive, started almost at the exact same time as us. We started playing shows together back then, and uh, they've they're still under the same name. Many many different members, but right. you know, two three. I think it's just two original members with them anymore. But uh, many changes and just kept pushing forward. So yeah, it's not. It's not common, I'll tell you that. Right. So for sure. But that that is what's cool is that you know, like last night, uh, somebody had said, "Oh my gosh, my my first show was seeing you guys at uh, a point fest like 2006." And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I was like, and that was probably a, a halfway transition for us. We had already switched multiple members, and so I'm going. Well, you know, not a lot of people get those stories, you know. Right, you're like, you have a terrible taste in music. Why are you still yeah. here? I was like, that is okay. Well. <laughs> yeah, they was like, no, I wasn't there for you. You just happened to be there. <laughs> how much has the, uh, how much would you say has the, I guess the scene, the, the feel of being out there on stage changed? Um, not just from year being, you know, 17 years older. But uh, the, the the scene itself, the crowd, you've seen a lot of changes come through, the different types of people, or is it pretty much static this whole time? I was going to say, the immediate changes are, I have so much more back pain this morning. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> uh, yes. We're on our third knee surgery within the band. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, but no, you're not talking the physical uh, repercussions. That counts, too. Um, that counts. I, you know... I, I think just how it's communicated probably is the one thing that that kind of came up last night, too. Of, uh, you know, it used to be go out and hand to hand selling tickets and, you know, you had to go and meet people and you had to go out and hand out flyers and stuff. And, you know, so 
Um, I know you guys talk about it often, the technology and how that changes things. And I mean, just this, how we're able to connect this morning versus, you know, you couldn't do that. You had to go and meet up at a coffee shop and sit down and hit record and, and whatever. But uh, I, I think just that, you know, you don't really, to me, I went into last night just not really knowing because sure, a lot of people see stuff on the internet and there's a lot in posting on Facebook and social media and all of that, but you don't really know like who's actually connecting with that. When we used to go out and physically see these people and physically hand a ticket or, you know, that kind of stuff, you get a little bit better feel for who you're gauging and, you know, how, how that's going. And now it technically should be the easiest time in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Click a link, click a link. You don't have to see anybody. You don't, it's, it's just like any other show. You go and your tickets at the door or whatever that is. Um, so it should be the easiest, right? But for those of us that used to gauge it a different way, it's, yeah, it's just, I think, I think that's, that's probably it overall. You go and you show up to pops. It's the same old field as back in the day, same energy, same great people. And, you know, that's what it's always been for us. That's why we always do it. I, I don't, foresee a time that we ever wouldn't say yeah let's just get together and play a show now they're few and far between anymore but you know it's just a good time that's kind of how we grew up together so why wouldn't we you know right yeah and we talk about that oftentimes how just technology in general has it's got it's a two-sided coin right and so you've got this chance this opportunity to proliferate anything any message you've got whether it be music or podcast or any kind of art form that you want to get out there you've got a way to do it all you gotta do is pay your internet bill and have some equipment to do it with right and so then you can you can spread that out but it takes away a lot of that personal touch you know that going up and actually being able to to talk to somebody in person shaking their hands right or not you know if they're creepers or whatnot but (laughs) you know whatever the case may be um, so it's just kind of a two-sided coin. Like you said, it's different, but I feel like we have, like for a band, for instance, you have a lot more opportunity to get your music out to a wider audience because you have the vehicle to do that, being the internet. But also, right. there, there are also so many people out there doing it that it's it's swamped. I mean, it's just full of, you know, everybody putting their art out there. Yeah. And so it, the maybe the odds are a little a little greater. I don't know. Well, I wonder if like that connection that you have with like you're, you say all those people that come to Pops, like you know those people, you've known those people forever. I wonder if you would have those connections if technology was like it is now back then. I wonder if it would have taken that aspect out of it or if, you, you know what I'm saying? I wonder if, I just wonder if it would be different. Yeah. I mean, not not so much. I don't think in like actually showing up and uh, and, and the friendship part, I think just doing what we do has always brought people together. You know, we're all in it for the genuine reason that we love getting together and doing it. Right. And the people that show up are like-minded people. So I don't, I don't think that, uh, that would have changed like less or more of that. I think it's just a different way to connect. You know, we found a way back then and it's, you know, there's still fans doing it on both sides that are very successful, reaching people in, in different ways, you know, um, I, I kind of made some notes on that when you had asked about just general music topic is that, you know, what are, what are the thoughts on that? I'm a streaming guy. I, I love Spotify. Mm. Um, there's both sides of the coin, right? Always like at any time you've got this major shift on how that changes things. I grew up buying a physical record, right? And then cassette tapes and then CDs 
but you bought one record, you worked, you got, you know, got your allowance or, you know, whatever it was. And you saved, you know, $20 to make sure you could go and get the one record. You had that one record. And so you could go and buy another record. Right. And that was the only way to get the music. Mm -hmm. So you dive deeper into the record and to the artwork and the, the, you know, what comes in that full package. But you would wait before you got new music until a buddy gave you something to listen to borrowing can you imagine that like <laughs> let me get make sure i get my record back that was a real thing like you know you'd end up at the end of the week with some, like two records that you had to return to somebody or a, or a cd or whatever i think cds probably that was even more the case um but but that was a real thing right i love having just an overload of music now with that i find that i dive less into entire records but i have heard a thousand different bands now i talk with somebody and they're like what is this and i'm like found this streaming you know it came up in a playlist while i was running or whatever so i find a lot more new music and there's probably a ton more new music out there um, but i do find that i dive a little bit less into uh, like the full record or maybe not capturing you know the entire essence of the record it has to be like really good for me to be like okay yeah that whole record is really good you know Back then, you got a record and you hoped it was good. And and most of the time, I feel like it was, or maybe that was just the impression because that was all we had, right? We just had that one album and then you move on to the next, you know, whenever the next big record came out or whatever. But what are your thoughts on that? Well, my question is, do you think that it hurts bands to put out full albums now? I mean, do you think it's better to just put out singles because of that situation? You know, I, I think that's just a personal thing for us makes no sense to put a full record out just because it just takes so much uh, resources, I think, for us at our age uh, and where we are to uh, with our reach to put a full record out. I think a lot of it would probably be energy spent that wouldn't get the full um payoff i guess mm -hmm. right uh, re reach not payoff there's never a payoff <laughs> <It's> never, <laughs> there, i mean if there if there was a payoff it's, it's not about the payoff it's that the payoff is the reach right mm -hmm. right yeah we just we want enough people to have and and hear it right right and uh to put that kind of energy into a record and put it all out at once um to me i would feel like that would fizzle out faster than it would than than we would want it to and then we've got this and the few people that would, you know, have the have it would appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have the reach that we'd be looking for. So, yeah, I can see how the the streaming has caused people not to listen to the whole album has hurt the music industry, the bands in particular, I'm sure, uh, because honestly, if you go back for me personally, when I would I would buy a CD uh, cassette tapes really I, I never really bought records I was around when they were still a thing like the only thing but I didn't really buy them back then but uh, the cassettes I did and oftentimes I would buy a cassette based off of a single or two that I heard on the radio right and then oftentimes on top of that I would get that cassette and I liked that single or two that I heard but then sometimes the rest of the, the, the rest of the album wasn't that great it was either mediocre or I really didn't care for it but I still had to buy the entire package to get that one or two right uh, even though sometimes they sold singles but you know 
that's right. that's a, that's another story. But right. um, and then CDs, same thing, you know. But there were there were these these bands though that were just phenomenal. I I knew I had to have the entire thing anyway, so no big whoop. Um, but then if you go back again, I think the one the one reason why records are coming back um, is some people like that vintage sound. I get that. But if you think about it from the industry viewpoint, it's a lot more difficult to copy a record, to take that record and to duplicate it because you can't duplicate from record to record unless you just have it like that. If you have, if you're able to press records, obviously you can't just go to your house and, and copy it on your, on your, you know, whatever, right. and have another record. Right. You, you might be able to, to hook it into a computer and, and copy it from there, but you, you won't have that, that record to have. So it's harder to copy with cassettes. You know, when, when the dual deck cassette tapes players came out, Joel, that was when yeah. I, I, it was fire, right? Because I could take this Def Leppard tape that I had or whatever, and I could put it on this blank tape, and I had me a copy, right? And so I could borrow that from my friend, take his Van Halen tape, put it on my tape, and now I've got a Van Halen tape that I didn't have to pay Do for. Do you have any idea how young I feel right now? You just mentioned <laughs> yeah. Van Halen and Def Leppard in a dual deck cassette and records. Jesus. Those are what we call I... cult 80s bands, okay? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guns and Roses. I, uh, <laughs> I had a T-shirt that had uh, pictures of cassette tapes, and it just said "streaming playlist." <laughs> <laughs> nice. it, was, it was awesome because that was it, right? You would you would pick those two and four songs, like you said, and then people get creative and they'd mix it up, and yes. you know, it was like that was that was the original playlist. Right. My my brother was probably is still probably the best at that as far as. Uh, I probably still have them somewhere, but he made uh, a bunch of CDs. We were having a barbecue or a party or something, right? And he made like 12 different mixed CDs of all these bands, you know, and uh, stuff that you just completely forget about from back then. But picking the, the two songs that were awesome off each record and burning them on all these discs, you know. Yep. But uh, yeah, the cassette tape. That was the original, man, the original mixtape, literally. That's right, yeah. And when the CDs first came out for a long time, though, we didn't have the ability to burn them. We didn't have the ability to copy right. them, Colt. Right. You now we're going back into the <laughs> into the early 90s, right, into the mid-90s. Yeah. And we really couldn't burn. I, I didn't have burning capacity until, I don't know, probably the, the probably the later 90s. Probably around right. 98 is when, you know, my friends had computers. I, I ended up getting a computer at some point in time, and you could take that CD and you could copy it onto another CD. That's when my CD collection exploded. And I already had a pretty decent collection sure. in the first place, right? right? I was yeah. a, What I would do, you mentioned saving your allowance. This was still in the cassette era. But like my freshman year of high school, my mom would give me two dollars. I don't know how she expected me to eat on two dollars every day, but that's beside the point. Uh, she would give me two dollars a day for lunch, right? And I would never eat. I would save that two dollars. By the end of the week, I had ten bucks. Guess what? That was almost enough to buy a tape. So I'd have some sure. pocket change left over, and I had me a new cassette tape. Uh, my freshman year, my my cassette tape collection just went haywire. Give me some examples. What what kind of tapes did you buy? Oh man, I'd rather not. It's kind of embarrassing now. <laughs> back then. <laughs> During that time period, I wasn't. I mean, I, I liked some good music, some Guns and Roses, of course. I was a guitar player back then, and so Van Halen, Eddie was like he was king, right? And right. so I was trying to finger tap and and try to play his arpeggios, you know, and just be cool like Eddie. But other than that, some pretty embarrassing stuff. I mean, you're talking about some things like a, which Slaughter, you know, that, that embarrasses me now. And I'm not trying to offend anybody who still likes Slaughter, but to me, that was. 
It, it Why was, is that embarrassing now? I, I don't Come know, on, James. I, because I had such a, a sea change when the '90s came with with Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots, and oh, sure. that grunge, and because it was like I finally found that thing. It was like a light coming out of heaven. It was like wow, and I realized that everything I was doing before was wrong. It was completely wrong. It's like my <laughs> life. My life was completely wrong before that point in time. It just had such a such a, an effect on me. I guess that's why the '80s hair band stuff. It, it makes me cringe now because I realized that that was all that I knew back then. Um, I was into the guitar solos. I was into this, and, and you know, I, the hair a little bit. I guess I, I liked right. the hair. I had some hair back then as well, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, mostly the guitars and the solos, and, and it, I, I don't know. It's just it was such a pivotal point in my life that change that I I, I never looked back really to to that hairband stuff afterwards. It's right. not it's not even something I even barely even nostalgic to me anymore. It's just I once the grunge era and then the post grunge and then I got into just a lot of different kinds of stuff techno. You know, it just my mind just started changing as far as the variety of music that I like. I still have a, a wide variety of music that I care for, but it just changed. It just altered from that point. Well, I'm sure you're not the only one. Like grunge, wasn't that like a huge transition in music from what you were talking about, like from the oh, 80s music the, into into grunge? And it wasn't very, it wasn't like very many years in between those either that that transition was made, it, right? It was almost seamless, wouldn't you say, Joel? Yeah. Yeah, it went quick. Yeah, that's, I think that is probably why it's considered one of the biggest changes ever, the biggest shifts. And uh, but I think it's I think that's with anything though, right? Uh, even outside of music, people find a recipe to, to something, and when something is successful, it catches fire, right? And then there's a thousand more things to follow that, you know. But when dudes are wearing makeup and uh, you know <laughs> aqua netting their hair and teasing their bangs and stuff, you right. Go, Okay, it's getting a little bit fucking ridiculous, (laughs) you know, so, so I think like the core of that stuff to me is still awesome. I mean, it's what I grew up on. Those are some of the coolest times ever. Yeah. Um, But, but the shift, yeah, went quickly, but then also the grunge thing too, like how many of those bands ended up being a one hit wonder, you know, it's the same, same kind of thing. It wasn't as silly, you know, I think it was just taken more serious but you know the 80s were fucking weird man we did, <laughs> we did weird shit you know yeah that the styles were weird the you know like people were it was a strange uh it was just strange times i think but i think the grunge thing was probably taken a little more serious you know it was darker it was a little edgier and um but in the same sense much of that was copycat shit that really isn't impressive and really is more silly technically than a lot of the stuff that uh, was considered to, to not be nostalgic anymore, you know? So I think that's with anything, you know, and, and like I said, outside of music too, I think anything that catches on like that, you're going to get all this other filler that comes with it, you know? And just, so yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be corrupted, right? Because if it's marketable, it's going to be overdone because everybody's trying to cash in. Therefore you're going right. to get some silliness out of it. Right. right. But yeah. but I was into the flannel. I mean that the whole everything. I just loved it. It was it was yeah. it was. It just seemed like it was waiting, or I was waiting there for it, even though I didn't know it. Right, right. I, I didn't want to crimp my hair. You remember the crimpers? You probably never seen nope. that. The crimp. It, no it would cause your hair to have all kinds of little. <laughs> it was crimped. Um, and when the bands were doing that, I look back on that now, and I, 
it it is. It's just it kind of uh, it's just a little embarrassing for me to think that, <laughs> think that I, I didn't crimp my hair, but I was listening to the people who did, right? <laughs> so I really wish you crimped your hair. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you do. I think you should yeah. now. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's I don't know. I'm sure it's coming back around in, in style. There was a point. There was a point where I had cornrows and braids. So I still haven't seen this picture that. yet. I would love to. Yeah. I, I had a rat tail, a mullet, the side spike, at all. Yeah. All of it. I so. had the mullet and the side spike, probably this, well, respectively, I would imagine. But I think the mullet came back for a minute, and then I just grew my grunge hair out long. And then at some point in time later down the road, when I was in my 20s, I don't know, I just... I, just decided to to go out there. I started coloring my hair, and I would also do the the braids and the. It was kind of like yeah. when uh, when your corn bands and things like that were big. Yeah. And so it was kind uh, of a style. Okay, so new metal, right? Yeah. That's about as corny as it fucking gets. <laughs> and and there are diehards that we you know we came up in that too. I mean, yeah. And then what drive was seriously new metal influenced. I mean, seriously new metal influenced. So. Uh, but also, you look back at that shit, you go, pretty fucking corny, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, pretty ridiculous, dude. Almost, <laughs> almost hairband ridiculous. Like, you, you almost got a, a mixture of the two, right? Hairband, but we were grunge, and like then the guy liner came back, and but then it was like, <laughs> then it was like half emo because it was, yeah, we're we're not grunge, we're more emotional than that, and yeah. like. So stupid, really. <laughs> but awesome. Like I don't I don't let go of the nostalgia on any of that. Like yeah. every every point in music has some way shaped my life. And so uh yeah, I don't ever let go of the nostalgia. But the uh the drunk hanging out in the living room cult, this is some of the stuff we're <laughs> talking about here. You're gonna you're gonna get a collection of uh everything from Taylor Swift to uh Celine Dion to all the hair bands that uh, from back in the day, and then and then it's going to take a hard shift at about one a.m. to new metal and go deep, deep down a dark path of guy liner and stupid hair and pictures where everybody's like looking up like they're belonging in an insane asylum or something. Does this shift along with when the alcohol shifts to something else too? Oh, is it all? Is yeah, it all go together? It's just a continual flow, which. Puts you into that hour. Yeah, it, it causes the shift. And then it, and then eventually everybody goes, I need to get out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but yeah, it's very it's very much that. See, I love all the nostalgia. I'll, I'll never let any of it go as to how ridiculous all of it was. Because yeah. to me it was awesome. So I was even a step more ridiculous because I grew up uh, in, in the church uh, three days a week. Um, I didn't know secular music until I was a teenager, really. And uh, so Striper is the mm -hmm. like most flamboyant, ridiculous outfit, teased hair band there was, right? And and some people still bash on it, but they did end up getting a lot of respect for you know their talent was was there for sure. And they were like the one Christian band, right? Like and now there's like you know this whole you know, the, the Christian metal scene and all of that, like, really came around after I was, you know, grown a bit. But back then, like, that was it, right? But you look at that now, and it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever watched. And I love it. I, I laugh about it. I'm like, I remember. I remember all of this very well. 
I never put on the yellow spandex pants, but I think, yeah, definitely band members did. Nick and Dan both have been in spandex multiple times. So see, that's. <laughs> did you ever? <clears throat> did you ever know of a band called White Cross? They had a yeah. they had a guitar player named Rex Carroll, and he was the guitar god for Christian metal bands back then. He okay. was absolutely amazing. I saw him in concert one time at Six Flags. At the amphitheater there. And, Six uh, Flags, man. Right? They used to have the concerts, dude. They did. They did. It was amazing. And uh, I don't even know what year. I, maybe I was, I don't know, 14 maybe. So whatever that is, early 90s. And uh, see, I grew up in church too. I didn't, I didn't realize that about you. So I, I, I wasn't a Striper fan, but I, heard, I had a lot of other White Cross, White Heart. Um, yeah. Just all, all different kinds of music in that genre. Carmen. I don't know if you've ever heard of Carmen. Uh, just a, a lot of different Christian influences that yeah. come out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's that was like interesting. On the pop side, right? It was like a was yeah. like pop solo guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, more. Yeah, definitely wasn't metal. But yeah. at, at any rate, something we talked about kind of off uh, in the text, kind of preparing for the show. You said you come across a unique perspective as to what draws you into music, or what is it that draws, I, I guess, from your perspective, you into any kind of music, whatever it might be. What is, what is that draw for you primarily? Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good conversation. It's interesting. Uh, for me, I, th- I think it's really anything. It's just gotta be, I don't know. Cause I listen. I mean, literally those names I'm naming. If you knew me and Nick laughed about this the other night, the last night, the, the last time we were hanging out here is that if people really knew the core <laughs> of the 20 core songs that Nick and I go back to default back to, to be like, dude, that, that moment in that song or whatever you would think you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'd love to hear what this is. If you saw that list, <laughs> you're like, what are you, this is what you guys, <laughs> so it can, for me, it can be anything. I think it's just gotta be, there's something with, um, something with the the right it's it's taste it's got to be the right taste for me and maybe it's the way the song starts maybe it's uh i mean musically it's got to grab me initially because Mm -hmm. i don't uh you know i mean if you have never heard the song it's got to grab you right off the bat right right and maybe not maybe not every time maybe it's the hook on the chorus and then you go and you're like okay that's an awesome hook yeah the rest of it's not bad or whatever usually if it's got a really good hook and it's got filler in between that, that's kind of a turn off for me. I respect it for the chorus or whatever that part is, but yeah. So initially probably for me, it's something that grabs me right off the bat, just the, the way that the song is presented um, or a record. So it's a really good intro to a record. It's usually going to be a good record. I kind of feel like that's, if there's a really good starting point, they put a lot of thought into that because they know what, you know what I mean? How they, they see how the record is supposed to be laid out. Mm-hmm. But the perspective that was brought to me, and I never heard this, but we have a very close friend that literally will buy a record. Now he streams music too and listens to Pandora or whatever. And, and uh, But when he knows that he likes the artist or heard that he should go get this record, he'll go buy it and he wants to read the lyrics before he even listens to any of it. Hmm. And this is true. Every time when he goes and buys a CD, as long as the booklet has the lyrics, he reads the lyrics first, finds what he connects with the most, and that's the song that he starts on. Wow. Every time. 
I can, I, I mean, I can see that. Honestly, I've had a lot of that with your music because y- you know that you, there's been several times where you've sent me like the lyrics in a text to all, to an entire song. Yeah. And right. to go, well, for one, I didn't understand what you were saying for a while in the song. So that helped <laughs> yeah, too. But, <laughs> but it, it's interesting to be able to have that kind of, a, ha, that kind of music that maybe you don't necessarily understand in the beginning, but then you hear the, you hear the words and like the words are different than the style of the music that is right. over the top of it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. for you screaming something like you hit, you said, um, what what's the song that's on that record with Carnivore that uh, you said you wrote for your daughter? Uh, find my way. Yeah, find my way. So if you listen to that song, you would never think that, that was a song that you were writing for your daughter, unless you were just reading the lyrics to that song, right? Right. So you, you know right. what I'm saying? Like yeah. that that's in, that's interesting right. to me because it's like it, what he's doing is separating the lyrics from everything else, and then then connecting them afterwards. Right. Yeah. Often I have to tell people, and especially because, you know, being in the professional uh, business place and things like that, that, when people find out that they see what we did last night and they're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> you do what? <laughs> and it's like uh, my first response usually is I'm not scary. It's not, you know, there's nothing evil going on here. There's nothing I just happen to have a stupid low growl that a lot of people can't do <laughs> so uh you know it's a stupid talent i don't know how i got it it just it's something that i figured out i could do somewhere in those new metal days uh but but uh but yeah i mean if you dive into it it's all very positive um very uh, i mean I, I don't really know that i could find too much negative even even in a negative situation everything i write about is something personal to me that's happened to me, but even in that situation, it's usually a positive take on the situation. And even if there's aggressive parts, it's not, you know, it's not, it's, it, that's just not me. Right. And, and I have kids, I had kids back when we were starting this band, you know, so I'm raising babies and going on stage and headbanging and jumping around like an idiot. And, uh, but that's, you know, that's where all of that came from for me. So I took his perspective as, okay, that's something that I might actually do next time when a band that I know is putting a record out. Yeah, I'd probably want to read through the lyrics first and see if I would connect with something. And he said that it backfires for him sometimes because then he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's not even the great of a song, but the words were awesome. And so I don't know if I've ever gotten in. I have after thinking about it. I've gotten into a situation where my dude, the band is awesome. And this kid is undeniably talented. I cannot relate to what he's talking about. <laughs> I really think the words are dumb. And, and, and there's there's a band, I probably shouldn't bash them, they're not even from here, but I just can't connect lyrically whatsoever. When you play it for somebody on the surface, they're really good. The kid is really talented. Just one of those guys that has a voice voice, you know? Mm. Plays piano, rocking band, plays guitar, front man, does all three. Really good, right? Kid is definitely here. Cannot get behind the words. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wish it was the same syllables and the same setup where I could relate to different words. And But it's still awesome. It still comes up, you know. Uh, I still listen to all the records, but it's just funny like that. So I go, okay, well, I guess that has happened where, yeah, I can't connect with that at all. Mm-hmm. Now, if I've read that, 
first, would have I even have given it a chance? Probably not. So I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I was I was thinking earlier when we were talking first started talking about this that you mentioned the hook that you got to have something that draws you in, right? The hook is going to be right. what gets you in any kind of music, the different genres, whatever it is. There's something about the way that it sounds that captures your attention in the first place. Uh, but what keeps me coming back, like years and years, if, if a if a song. Even sometimes an entire album, if it tests, if it stands the test of time, it's because there's a message that really doesn't necessarily have to resonate with me as in, as in like, oh man, they just read my mind. That's that's just like me, but just something that captures my imagination, something that captures my attention over and over again through the message. And, and so the hook at that point in time is still cool, but the hook can fade. Like I know some really terrible songs with a great hook, right. you know, some, yeah. some some pop songs that I just think are, are horrid, but they have that thing. Right. Uh, what was that one? Uh, my butt, my butt, my lovely lady hump or whatever that song was. Um, that was catchy. It was catchy though, right? And I, I would caught myself singing that song. Back then I was uh, working for a rent-to-own place. I caught myself just blasting that in the, in the in the truck and jamming, right? Shaking my head like this and really just having a good time with that song. Nowadays, of course, that's just ridiculous, right? That's that's ridiculous thing to think about. <laughs> Obviously and thankfully, that song didn't didn't stand the test of time, right? But I, but I think about some of the other songs that I still like from the early '90s. You know, um, some of them didn't, but some of them did. Like just for instance, Jeremy from from uh, Pearl Jam. Um, the video too, right? So the video was amazing, but it just, it resonates with what we have going on today. Right. right. And strangely enough, I haven't heard anybody blame Pearl Jam for that kind of thing going on. Right. Like they did with Marilyn Manson with the song Lunchbox. I don't know if you're familiar with that song. Yeah. He caught a lot of heat for that. But that, that song just, it, it captures my imagination because it was talking about something that years later we're actually dealing with in the school system. And and then other things that do resonate with me personally. But that message to me, that's what keeps me coming back year after year time after time and I, I i stand by those that music you know yeah the initial the initial grab you know yeah okay. if, um if it's the you know, like i said just the intro or 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 a good hook you know it's it's nice when you catch that moment where you go and you find even if it is just that part of the song but the hook and the lyric that that whole part lines up sometimes it's just a part of a song that that holds with me for for you know the test of time as you said you know made that permanent impression um yeah i think you know lyrics are always an important thing to me mm -hmm. it's the message right but i guess going back to that earlier it doesn't doesn't always have to be you know half the time i don't take the time to go in and really figure out what the song is about yes it's just a heavy song and maybe it's the riffs and maybe it's just the way the music is put together that uh you know i might have read the lyrics at one point Maybe it's not something that I really connect with all the way. It's well put together, but you know, it's just the song as the whole. So, um, in good taste, I'd say I won't give you that song that you brought up, James. I, I, I won't. I won't give you that one. Okay, you don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> that would that would have never that would have never done it for me. But. That was that was just off the top of yeah. my head. Selena Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and also on that, though, sometimes the message to me, and this might be a little, I don't know if this is just too cheesy or what, a little more complex, definitely, but sometimes the message is just on the emotional level. Like, I don't know if you've ever listened to a song forever and you thought you knew what the lyrics were, but then you read the lyrics and you're like, you were way off. <laughs> like, I didn't know what those lyrics were. I was totally wrong. Oh, yeah. But, but the message for it yeah. was, was already there. It was already imprinted with me because of the emotion that come with that. And, and so th yeah. that's, that's still kind of the, along the same lines to me. 
um, as long as it connected with me on that level, right. I'm still like hooked. I, I'm, that's still my song, and, and it forever will be. Uh, I say forever. Some some songs still fade, even though the message was pretty intense for me at that time. But for the most part, as, as long as I connect with that on that level, I believe that it's uh, it, it's going to stay in the test of time. What about you, Colt? I don't know. I feel like the masses aren't really like. Joel, you are big into them into music in general, so you are able to break down things in your head into all these different sections, whether you know the lyrics, the music, the vocals, all that kind of stuff. I, don't, I feel like especially younger generation and the masses now don't break things down like that. They're just like, if it's got a, that hook, that's it. The lyrics don't necessarily matter as much. Now that might just be me over exaggerating. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I just feel I feel like the masses now do not pay attention as much to music in general as if it sounds cool, I'm going to listen to it like mumble rap and things like that. What, what, what it give me, first of all, give me your opinion on mumble rap and then give me your opinion on what I just said. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a, I don't, I don't have the best perspective probably on mumble rap. My son's an aspiring producer. He's very talented musically. He's got great taste. So while I don't listen to or wouldn't listen to the majority of what he plays for me, he thinks it's funny to find the songs that he knows I would hate. So we drove next to the car Bluetooth and we've been in the car for 20 minutes. Can you play something I would like? <laughs> he knows what I would like. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be like he's not a rock and roll guy at all. Like, right. He he does. He has some of the, you know, the songs that he remembers from me sharing with him when they were younger and things like that so while it is his go-to is rap and and i don't know mumble rap from trap from uh there's probably a million subgenres in there right. that i would completely botch up but he knows what i would like out of that stuff and i go we're driving around all you do is play the stuff that you know i hate and he thinks <laughs> it's funny because uh he hates it too he's, he's bashing it as well you know right. and he's picking apart why it's stupid or why it's inflated bullshit that you know all the kids at the school are just blowing up he's like he's like this guy had like a thousand streams on soundcloud and now he's out touring with whatever because that high school crowd caught on to it and i've noticed a lot of times it's not even the music or the lyric or the the guy's voice because they're all pretty much kind of doing the same thing and forgive me those who like that stuff maybe there's sub genres that are are different but uh sometimes it's a noise that's like the thing now. Like they all have a noise that they do, like the and the oh yeah, like you know. What I mean? But it's like whatever the new weird noise I can do is catches on, resonates, and then five other artists are doing this stupid noise. I'm like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> and it, okay, and the same could be said. I'm not just picking on that. The same could be said for Luke Bryan because he took every catchphrase country word like opened up the farmer's dictionary (laughs) and literally highlighted every third word and made a song out of it so the same thing could be said for that but i thought when did we shift into this finding the next noise or weird mouth sound that that we can put on this record that uh, it i legitimately feel like that's blown some of these guys up and it's really weird but um I, that's my initial thoughts on mumble rap if you will <laughs> the where where that started though is like little Wayne. he started rapping doing the auto-tune thing 
And then if you listen, that evolved into, because he was a straight rapper. Like some of Lil Wayne, when he was a kid, what was he, 16 or 17, when he like broke onto a record deal and, and whatever, it, it shifted to the auto-tune stuff. Then it shifted into him and using the auto-tune stuff. And then you, he's like slurring through a lot of that stuff. And really, he's like one of the originators of, you're like, what is he saying? What is he singing? Like, why is he singing it weird? Like, that was kind of his thing for a while. And it spawned a whole, probably a decade later, all these mumble rapping where it's use the auto-tune heavy, use the, and I don't mean like T-Pain, like he was the guy to make that pop, right? But, right. Um, you know, where it was just kind of like singing it where you can't really understand them. It's kind of like a lazy way of singing type thing and then throw some auto-tune on it. So it's kind of, I, I came from at least me recognizing that like I'm old. I'm like, you didn't start that. That came back Lil Wayne and those guys like, you know, just kind of experimenting, probably being in it and sitting in a studio, figuring out new tricks, you know, but, um, I don't know. That's my thoughts on my whole rap. It's difficult if you had, and that's the problem with youngsters. They don't have the same perspective that we had coming up. I'll speak for myself. When uh, I was uh, first uh, introduced to Public Enemy back, you know, in the late 80s, right? I had nothing, yeah. absolutely zero in common with Chuck D and Flavor Flav, right? <laughs> absolutely nothing. There was nothing, no overlap there whatsoever. But I absolutely was drawn into their music because of the message they had and because it was banging, right? They just had Chuck D was... So- Stood for something. Yeah, it did. It did, and, and you could tell emotionally the way they brought it forth, that just by their their performance, their you know their tone and and their force that they used, and then also the lyrics were were very heavy, and it was politically motivated, and it had a very strong message, and that really captivated me, more so than N.W.A. When I first heard them, I didn't really connect with them so much, um, but when Public Enemy, they were really the first rap artist that really I was like, yeah, this is my stuff right here. And then the next after that really captivated me was Tupac. Once again, zero in common with Tupac. Absolutely zero. But the way that he performed and the message that he had was just very intense, and I just loved it. And so now you look at something like they have today with rap, the mumble rap. It's just it's missing substance to me. It's missing something that really is going to keep me at all, right. even if there is a hook. Which right. Honestly, most of the hooks, in my opinion, like the noises with their mouth, that doesn't hook me. <laughs> I, I, I've been doing that since I was three years old. I mean, probably before that, I've been right. yeah, noises with my mouth. That. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's just it, from that perspective, it makes it even more difficult, and I'm much more judgmental on these youngsters that think that's okay. It's like, what is wrong with you? But what do they know anything else? That's yeah, right. the thing. Exactly. Right? Exactly. I, 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 I'm conflicted. I feel bad for them, and at the same time, I'm I just want to shake them. <laughs> just want to shake them. So Joel, I have a question as far as um, as far as people buying music and streaming music and stuff like that. We've talked a couple of times on the show about um, we know that bands and solo artists and people get screwed in the industry. It's a well known fact. Um, but in your opinion, what's the best way if you're going to support your favorite band? As far as is is streaming the best route or is downloading the best route or buying physical copies of things the best route? I mean, what, what what's the best way to support? Yeah, I don't know. Um, go to shows if they're playing out live. Right. I think that's probably the most beneficial. You know, the performance, um, 
I'm probably not the best to speak on this, to be honest, just because, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't find a lot of success. Well, we didn't find a lot of success necessarily on either side. We, we had signed, um, with Signal the Sirens, we signed a digital distribution deal, which was uh, 100% digital. So we were allowed to, to do whatever we wanted with the physical side. So in that sense, we would have said, sure, because we got to keep 100% of anything that we did. So we they didn't own anything as far as the, the band or the name or the artistry, really. Uh, all they wanted was to do digital placement and, uh, and streaming services and things like that. So we gave up a portion of that, but we knew that they would get us into digital outlets where we couldn't be before. So we had a couple uh, television placements, uh, MTV. We got uh, like some write-ups and reviews and digital outlets that we wouldn't have been able to reach that media. Right. So teach me a little bit about how that works, the different levels of artists, right? So, you know, I, I'm probably not just the best to speak on that. From our experiences that, uh, you know, just get out and just get out to a show and support it would be probably the best thing um, because that shows you're noticing all these different unique ways for bands to make money. They're putting it into the show, right? They're finding VIP packages. They're finding um, all these extra ways to make as much as they can to make the touring and the show worth it. And uh, that's typically done by the bands, finding creative ways. I noticed uh, Atreyu has come into St. Louis uh, in November. Mm -hmm. They're releasing uh, VIP packages, side stage packages. They're letting the crowd pick their set list. So it's going to be uh, 100% fan chosen songs wow. set list. It was awesome. They, they said pick 20 songs and uh, whatever gets the most votes, that's what you're going to see. So that kind of stuff, that creative thinking wasn't around near, near as much. Maybe maybe some bands were doing to uh, do something different, but it's all going into the live show now, right? Because that's where bands regroup what they don't make because of the loss of streaming services and things like that. Streaming does not pay. You still make money off of streaming. It just has to be a lot. You know, right. People, people look at the breakdown versus, you know, buying a physical CD and whatever else. It's just not going to work that way. It's just, it's changed. It's just not going to work. Get money. I don't care. You know, I love having the streaming service. I have, found more music because of streaming than i ever would have back in the day i don't have ten dollars to go and buy a full cd every time i find an artist i like i listen to too much shit mm -hmm, right i like the new celine dion song on the deadpool soundtrack i'm not gonna go buy that record i'm not but i'll listen to that song <laughs> <laughs> it's a power, powerful song and don't, I, don't, I i like that you're okay to admit that too joel i'm not <laughs> I've listened to some Celine. I've listened to some Celine Dion, if man. Have, if, you, if you haven't listened to that song yet, I've probably mentioned it a couple times here because it was just recently brought to my attention. But yeah, so yeah, I don't know. Support the bands. The bands are telling you how to support them, right? That right. like with all of that, the the interaction, the connectivity. They're they're finding what works for their group and telling people this is you know what I mean. This is what you this is what you do to support it. You know. Just streaming bands' music is not going to be the big, the biggest payout. However, you know I've reached bands that I never would have seen anywhere else from that. So, you know, I guess it's just kind of a defined support thing at that point. You know, if it's financially, it's going to be different for everybody. To figure out 
or couldn't, you know. So mm-hmm. another one of the things that streaming has done for me is it's it's mitigated the the consequences of the radio overplaying the same song over and over again over the course of years. Um, you know, our right. local, our local station here, I could go forever, forever without hearing uh, Beastie Boys, Paul Revere ever again in my life, <laughs> you know, and I'm not a huge Beastie yeah. Boys fan, never have been a huge fan, but I've liked them. But that song absolutely drives me nuts. I could go forever without hearing what's a, what's the, uh, I can't think of it now. There's one I'm, from I'm Pearl to, Jam that you, yeah, what was it? That's the one I'm trying to think of. It's what, what are the two main songs? Uh, not even flow, but the other one. Um, the one where he's talking about his dad, I, I'll have to go through it in my head. We don't have time for that, but yeah, I could go forever without hearing those songs, and, and it's because of the radio. Because and, and I don't even really listen to the radio anymore because of that. I listen to the right. morning show, which is uh, you know pretty amazing uh, on on the point, but I, I just don't listen to the radio much because they have that. That's that's their mo. That's what they do, and it's not just them. It's because that's how corporate radio works, and so I can go to my my trusty iPhone. And I download just as many albums as, as I'm way more albums than I stream. I, I download them to my phone, so I have them in the gym. I have them in my car. I have them alongside my podcast, so I can go back and forth. Right. And that is, and I can make my own playlist on there. How amazing is that? You know, how I can make my own radio station with no commercials, all the songs that I like, and I can have multiple playlists. And just by pushing, not, they're not even really buttons. It's it's a flat screen on my phone. I don't even <laughs> yeah. have real buttons. I just manipulate this this device to, right. to do what I want it to do. And that technology is amazing, right? I love streaming. I'm with you on that. And I, I'm sorry that the artist kind of, you know, it kind of took from them, but I also think there's a lot of plus sides to it. Um, right. I hope so for, for that too, because for instance, on the local scene, I, I was so happy when Colt and I really first started getting into this, um, that more of the local bands are streaming, because it gave me the opportunity. I, I wouldn't even know where to buy them. I wouldn't know that they existed unless I find right. them on Facebook. I'm like, hmm, I'm going to go check them out. So I go see if they're on Apple Music. If they are, then great. If they're not, I check Spotify or I check YouTube or I look on their personal page and I find out what's, what's going on with them and I'm able to delve into so much more. And it, it's, it's great to know what's going on out there like that. That's why MySpace should come back, man. MySpace <laughs> was the jam. Sorry, it was the best. You could put all your music, all your videos, everything was right there. You go, so when you find the Facebook page, boom, everything is, you know, not what now is the Facebook page, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a feed and you had to go and scroll and find other stuff. Mm-hmm. MySpace is still better for the band side of, and the artistry side. It's still better. We're, I think we still have a page on there, but uh, it's better. It was laid out better. I don't know how that got crushed. Well, I do because it, the individual person has their own. That that became the need for that uh, connection to have their own feed out, outweighed needing all this other stuff. You know, because if you're not a musician or you're not an artist in some way, you don't have all the other stuff. You could put songs or things that you liked up there, but it shifted towards more of like the artist side of things. But for the bands, I still stand by that. The MySpace was a better layout because. <laughs> <laughs> Then when you would find, then when you would find a local band or whatever else, boom, you got their friends list right there, and you're like, why are they in the top of what, what Inimical Drive likes? Well, click on Final Drive or click on you know any of these bands, and you go, oh, okay, songs are right there, and you know, I don't know, I, I still, that's nostalgia for me, but I, I feel like that was better for uh, finding access to bands you didn't know about back then. I feel like they made that tougher with the Facebook 
and Facebook page thing. But I just I want to add here that Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening, the, the opinions and views of Joel Colby is not necessarily the opinions and views of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Okay, so whatever, whatever Mark. <laughs> no, I, another you know, what? No, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say another great thing. I'm going to, I'm going to this is going to be very um, unique to our local here in the St. Louis area. Bands getting together and having big shows, you know, and so we we'll give a shout out to the Ink Spot Block Party, of course, right. coming up again soon. Um, that is the two years ago. That's the that's actually the first time I heard Anemical Drive. Um, saw you on stage and the performance there. It it was absolutely amazing, Joel, and uh, it it drew me in. Your band, your performance on stage was incredible. I don't know that if I had heard your music before, if I would have been quite as captivated as I was that that night. It was it was nightfall by then with the screens and it, it was just, everything was perfect. Um, people need to go out and see shows. Absolutely, I, I just highly encourage more of that kind of of setup where you've got and, and St. Louis is great and I, I, probably other cities are too. But St. Louis is just great about bringing you know three, four, five, ten bands together, whatever, and, and everybody having a set so that they get that exposure, right? right. Yep. And something like the block party is just, it, it's a great thing to do. It's a great way to do that. Give them props. Yeah. Yeah. Get out and see a show. I felt, you know, um, we tried to go to, a, I mean, it's, I swear it's going to be as many concerts as possible. That's our thing. We, you know, uh, speaking for myself and my girlfriend, Stephanie, but we love going to a live show because we've discovered just so many really good bands. When you see a good band live, it's just good. And maybe you wouldn't have listened to the record beforehand, you know, but when you see undeniable talent live, you go, damn, that was, I'm so glad we caught that, you know? Um, and then a band that you might hear one song or hear somebody talk about and you go and you catch it at a small club, but, uh, when you catch that band in the right setting for their live show, uh, man, I think about the shows that I would have missed. I think about a lot of the shows that I did miss that I kick myself about now. But yeah, man, you wanna you wanna discover if it's if it's something you're really gonna latch on to, get out and go see a live show because so many times we got to go. I am so glad we went and saw that. Like so glad, you know. Right. Yeah. So do you want to do a little promotion for the Ink Spot Block Party? October fifth, correct? October fifth. October 5th is the 10th annual block party. For anybody that doesn't know the story, short summary, it's just a customer appreciation party that Dave and Robbie uh, from the Ink Spot Tattoo Shop out in Troy, um, they started just as a way to say thank you. Dave grew up going to do these block parties and community things out in his area. And as a kid, it was free to show up and there was live music and rides and, you know, whatever it was that, you know, the whole family got to go out and enjoy he noticed that there wasn't something like that happening and uh, him and Jesse have a bunch of kids and he wanted that for his kids that, uh, and you know, all the people in his shop, that's his family. And uh, he just saw a real need for this big community that he had, you know, of all walks of life and, and from everywhere, not just from within Lincoln County, but he thought, I want to do something where I can give that back to those people. So, um, so he started doing it on the shop parking lot. Ten years later, we've gone back and forth through fairgrounds, a couple, couple different locations, four different locations. Um, unfortunately, the fairgrounds can no longer accommodate what we need in Lincoln County, so 
uh, Dave recently opened a shop in St. Peter's uh, about two years ago now. But now recognizing that uh, he's trying to build an area out out in St. Charles County, we have moved it to Big St. Charles Motorsports. Uh, so that's out here in St. Peter's, St. Charles, technically St. Charles, but off of Cave Springs exit of Highway 70. Uh, it's a motorcycle shop. They do a lot of stuff with uh, the radio station. They do uh, calendar shoot for motorcycle rallies and things. And uh, they've, so they've always got events that's going on there. So we've got a lot of biker friends. Dave's, Dave's friends are uh, a bunch of riders. So I'm hoping to get a bunch of those guys to come out this way and check out the shop. And Big St. Charles Motorsports is an incredible place. If you're into motorcycles, I am not a motorcycle guy. I respect it. But, man, if you are, that is an awesome place to go and see. So the fact that we're bringing both worlds together this year, I think it's going to be incredible. Um, the setup, we did the logistics uh, a couple weeks ago. And looking at the layout, it might be the coolest layout yet for the block party. So finger, fingers crossed that everything as planned. It's always scary moving to a new venue and whatnot. Uh, it, it could be one of the coolest years yet. So, yeah, uh, Saturday, October 5th, as always, it's a free event. So you just have to get a ticket from a sponsor or from one of the bands that's playing. If you go to Ink Spot Block Party Facebook page, uh, we'll be doing some social media posts over the next couple of weeks just to let everybody know what, what vendors are involved, which sponsors are involved, where you can get your tickets. Uh, tickets were just issued last night, so you're going to start seeing those pop um, different locations on the Facebook page. But all day starts at 11 a.m., um, so you can come out early, and if you got other things to do, you can still catch entertainment for the first part of the day. We've got two stages going. We'll be announcing uh, people that have been uh, around the St. Louis music scene for a long time, and uh, we're about that, actually. That's something new that we're doing this year. And then uh, there's a kid zone. There's vendors. There's food, shamrocks uh, in St. Peter's. We all know and love Kyle and Kelly. Uh, they are the main food and beverage sponsor for, for the event, so... Um, they've done events over there before. It's close to where their uh, bar and restaurant is. So it's going to be pretty awesome, man. Uh, a lot going on. We've got uh, probably more to see and more to do. We've got a car show. Uh, we're going to have about uh, 20, 25 different unique cars, uh, low riders and stuff coming out. We've got a bike show and bike parking. Then you've got the big St. Charles bikes. They'll be out. Show me snakes. They bring out the big pythons and snakes every year. And yeah, it's just. So it's a really cool collection of things going on. So if you come out for an hour, you come out for an hour and have a good time. If you stay all day like we do, it's a party. So good times. Perfect. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's great, though, yeah. because yeah. The, the ink spot itself, it's just such a great time. It's not just the great music, which that's the big thing, right? Seeing the big concert, but it's, it's a bunch of just good people. I, just a bunch of good people in one spot doing cool things and you, now you've got some big snakes um I, I'm, I'm conflicted on that but okay you know i'll, I'll give it a shot i'll yeah. give it a day in court uh, everything they, else sounds great been though out before and no one has been eaten yet okay so uh, okay so so far the odds are so far the odds are with us on that then i guess so i still don't think my wife's gonna come now yeah she's small enough she may actually get swallowed Becky's small, yeah, so yeah, yeah. We, we'll have to watch her. At least maybe tie a rope onto her ankle. That way, if she gets swallowed, we can pull her back out. Yeah, maybe. Great idea. So, Joe, we appreciate you taking the time for us today, man. It's been it's been good. It's always good to see you, my friend. And uh, yeah, dude, thank you. Keep uh, keep being you, man. You're awesome. 
We love you. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you guys as always. Thank you. All right. And we're out. Thank you to Joel Colby and thank you to the CEP listener. That's you. Remember that word of mouth is such a heavenly thing for us, so don't forget to tell all of your friends and fam about the great variety that you hear right here on the CEP. Please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcast so that you can keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. And we love it when you give us all of your love on the socials, when you do indeed give us all of your love on the socials. And be sure to visit the launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us for booking info or whatever, maybe just to say, hey, you can do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And that's all I've got, folks. So until next time, be sure to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours nice and warm out there. See ya. I don't have anybody to bring me coffee when this is empty, though. Oh, that sounds You don't have an assistant? I don't. That's not right. Yeah. You need to get you one of those. They're all the rage nowadays. Right. Ain't nobody doing that. Trust me. Hey, it, did, it did put us up in the right corner. Yeah, I think that's typical. That we did the recording thing. Yeah. Are you sure? I, I'm almost positive that we could see something up there before. You think I ought to hit save? or? or... I don't know that you should hit anything okay. at this point in time. If we're, okay. if we're doing good, then we should probably just leave it alone. Okay. Because right, well, that way things won't keep happening. All right. Well, if shit fucks up, it's because Joel did it. That's okay. Are we, are, we li- are we going live now? We're are going to soon. Okay. Soon. I have to give us the uh, <laughs> the official introduction. And as I'm doing that, if you had your coffee up to your mouth, that'd be great. That's a great, great optics. I love it. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. All right. In three, two, one, go.